Hey everyone, you're listening to the Lively Agent Podcast, where we learn from and tell the stories of the most amazing, badass, and successful thought leaders in real estate. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and check us out on Instagram and Facebook as well, where we post content regularly throughout the week. Thanks so much, guys, and I hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of the Lively Agent Podcast. Today's guest, I'm extremely excited for. She is a North Carolina native, a wife, mother of three, former American Idol contestant. (laughs) She now lives right here in charming Charleston, South Carolina, co-owns her brokerage that has nearly 300 agents, and runs a real estate team that sells over $40 million a year in real estate. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome (laughs) Miss Rebecca Lidinger. Oh. I'll listen to him go crazy. Oh, I had to push the button. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, so uh, Rebecca, thank you for being here. You're welcome. You are our very first guest on our very first episode. I feel so honored. I'm, I really do. I'm so excited. Uh, and uh, just talking before the show, I know I said we're going to lead off with the American Idol, but... <laughs> We're gonna. That's now in the second spot. <laughs> now I I hear that you were you are the radio voice for the church. Well, for, for I, Seacoast. Yeah. So when I started at Seacoast, it was in 2002. They were not techy the way they are now. They were not quite as big, and I was actually their very first marketing coordinator. And so at that time, I just started kind of helping with. I mean, really, I I knew nothing, and I was. Very 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 low on the totem pole. <laughs> um, so I would help with announcements, and you know. All sorts of di- different things. They call it the dispatch, but um, video announcements. And so they would just put up any kind of, you know, what what's happening in the church on that teleprompter. Yeah. And then I would read it off for the masses to see. So I love seeing that because that's like speaking my language. Yeah. That's uh, I love um, in all of business. I don't think there's anything that I enjoy more than that piece of it, which is like connecting to a customer or a client or a listener or whatever that may be. Finding some way to, you know, pique their interest and mm-hmm. their curiosity and, and get them wanting more of whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. So I think that's so cool that you have that background. How has that translated into success now in your current career as a, a team leader and a, a broker owner? Yeah. I mean, right from the beginning, I loved the listing side of it. Like that's how I actually got into real estate is that I was doing some list, um, some marketing, excuse me, for some developers in town. And basically, they needed someone sitting on site and, you know, representing their new home communities. And so I was incredibly excited about that, that unique opportunity where I was presenting a neighborhood or presenting yeah, a project yeah. or, you know, kind of telling the story of, of whatever it was that, that they had to present to the public. And so it took me years, actually, before I ever represented a buyer. I mean, I, I never touched buyers for, I don't know, I wish I had thought of this before, but I mean, maybe five years in my career. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, So the marketing side of it, I mean, I looked at every single home, every single neighborhood, every single project, the same way I did when I, when I developed a marketing campaign for, you know, my clients at the time, you know, I had a, I had a freelance marketing gig in between Seacoast and, and real estate. And I actually did all the marketing here for Help First and some no other bit. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I see their stuff. So, I mean, they were, they were teeny at the time. I mean, it's amazing to see what that company has grown to. I had no part in that. But, um, but yeah, so I just started looking at every single listing 
the same way I did my companies that I was doing branding for. And I really do think it set me apart early on just because, you know, I was using the same kind of algorithms and statistical backing and tracking what was working, what was not working, tweaking little things the same way I did with my branding clients instead of just kind of sticking a sign in the yard, popping it on an MLS and hoping for the best. Yep. I never did that. Yep, yep. <laughs> so it was good. I mean, I, I, you know, enjoyed some early success and, and it kind of catapulted from there. And about when was this? Like wh what year? So I got licensed at the end of 05 and my first listing ever was a 22 home neighborhood. My first big project was in 06 where I was brought on as the co-listing agent for the B Street Lofts. Okay. And so that was a, you know, huge 108 unit complex downtown Charleston, super wow. modern at the yep. time, you know, multi-million dollar project. And um, yeah, and then started doing development from there. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So you really, you kind of got to cut your teeth on that, like you said, on that development side, mm -hmm. working with, with big builders and kind of learning. And then you had the chance to incorporate your marketing side into that. And then that kind of led you into real estate success. Well, no, no, that's not, that makes it sound really good. Actually, when you say it, say it more <laughs> say like it that. So quick. Say it like so that. No, actually I was in high end, um, new development condos in 2008. Dun, dun, dun. I was going to say, yeah, that's a great time to be in high-end <laughs> real estate, huh? It was awful. Yeah. So kind of out of desperation and plummeting economy is where I started shifting gears, thinking outside the box, doing things differently. So I guess that was less than five years that I then kind of transitioned into, into more general brokerage. Okay, gotcha. Now, and I remember uh, you said something about how you... Um, one of, the, one of the things you feel like you're really strong at is finding creative solutions yeah. to problems. Is that, how has that helped you um, in, do you have any specific examples where oh, you've been able to kind of navigate the waters? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I probably, if I sat here long enough, could come up with a million yeah. examples. I mean, to be honest, you know, I'm negotiating a deal right now where the seller needs to be out or excuse me, the seller wants to stay and the buyer needs to be in the home. Does that make sense? Sorry. Yep. Yep. Um, and so the seller needs a, a lease back and we can't come to terms. So it doesn't even matter the price that everybody's willing to pay. The details of the this, you know close date aren't working. And so nobody wants to move twice. Nobody wants that. What can we come up with? You know, materializing this epic Sullivan's Island, you know, vacation rental and, and figuring out something there, it's not rocket science. It's not that no other agent could possibly come up with something like that. But the way we position it, what we find, how we do it, how yep. we kind of help with that transition is just, okay, you need X, you need Y, how can we bridge the gap? And I feel yep. like I really, I do, you know, I do feel like when people say no, my first instinct is, hmm, there's always a way. There's always a way. There's always a How way. How do we get to a yes? You know, yep. there's there's usually some creative method here, even when they are a hard stop on either side, that we can figure out a middle ground. Yep. Yep. And it's, uh, it's almost like kind of finding what, like not taking that first no or that first objection, but finding, you know, what's the reason behind exactly. the no, right? Is there pride involved? Is there financial uh Financial stipulations involved, right? Is there, you know, do they have other concerns with moving and almost the family? always it's fear. Yep. Almost always it's fear. And really, most of the time that fear is founded. Like it's, it's 
legitimate, right? I I don't want to move twice. My kids are already in school here. You know, I can't fathom putting that on my plate on top of what I have going on at work. I mean, a, a house transition is a big deal for a family that's already at capacity. So our team works really hard at figuring out what can we remove from their burden, You know, Mm -hmm. what can we take off of this so that it doesn't feel overwhelming? I have teams of people who can help pack you. Oh, in your mind, you probably think that's thousands of dollars. Let's put an actual dollar amount to that. Because when you do, especially with the connections I've made over the last 15 years, it's not overwhelming. Okay, let's add this and this and let's put the pieces together and talk about real numbers. Because what I find is that for most families, when they're doing, we call it the pillow talk, when they're doing their pillow talk at night, they are exaggerating all the line items that they don't know for certain. They're, they're, they want to build in margin and they don't want to be surprised. And so they're creating, you know, oh, I bet the move costs will be $20,000 when in fact they're $6,000 or less, you know. And so if we can put finite numbers to all of their fears Usually it helps to kind of, okay, and I'll do this and I'll take this off your plate and I'll manage the contractor that has to come in and I'll do, you know, kind of a concierge level service for you so you literally can just get up and go to work. Concierge, that's the word. That's the word I was thinking of. Yeah. And it, you're right. We we dramatize in our minds the unknown. Right? Always. Like, and like we all do. We think it's worse than it really is. Right. Right. It's pretty interesting. You know, it's something we talk a lot about with our team is... Um, I'm always driving home like you're not a real estate agent. You're a problem solver. Yeah. Right. And there's always the problem is they need a new home. Right. And we happen to spend a lot of time working on that skill set. But I mean, here's kind of the classic example is like if, you know, if somebody if somebody uh, lives in Charleston and they're staying in Charleston and you sell their home, what problem do they now have? They have to buy a home. Yeah, right. They're homeless. (laughs) Right. So always like and that's obviously you know a pretty simple one. Right. But I kind of put that one out there just to like say like make sure we're looking at the big picture here mm-hmm. right like there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle and let's solve those problems mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. instead of just shooting them they're like oh hey don't forget to connect your utilities like how do we like can we do that for them right right or if we can't can we at least make it as simple as possible and like mm-hmm. set the appointment for them mm-hmm. or get them all the information and, and put everything right in front of them like you said like a concierge well and i mean it's not their job to do this right and and so i take that really seriously because i don't want my clients to end our, our real estate transaction as an expert in real estate. I'm the one spending all day, every day, not only learning what's in the MLS, but as you know, that's a fraction of what we actually do. So, you know, networking with other agents, knowing what's off market, knowing what's coming down the pipeline, what will be available, whether it's from a competition on the listing standpoint, or, you know, for them to then move into, um, I mean, those are all really, really valuable. And then knowing the appraisers and the inspectors and, you know, how to navigate different issues that arise. I mean, I have one right now where I'm using all of my crawl space contacts, right? And I need to know who is really knowledgeable in this space. It's not just going through the phone book and calling the first name. I mean, I I want to know who is going to represent my client's best interest for years and years to come, right? Yep. So. Those are really valuable relationships that I think, you know, really just make up their weight in everything else that we do. For absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And there, there's so many there's so many steps in the process that it's just like you said, like they shouldn't be an expert in real estate. 
by by the time it's over, right? Because I I guess really if they are, then they don't really need you or me or or an agent, right? Um, if they if they know all the steps themselves, right? So it's like just like you said, how do we how do we kind of take that step? And then there's probably you're looking for a crawl space expert. There's probably multiple other experts that you know or have had mm-hmm. to find, you know, really in every deal that you do, um, and you're saving you know tons and tons and tons of time uh, and mistakes for your clients, right? Well, that would cost them money. And right now, I mean. Two of my clients that I'm working with are licensed realtors, right this second. So it has nothing to do with the ability for them to put something on MLS or even to search MLS. I mean, that is such a misguided approach. And I love that, honestly, that I'm working with people who really get that. Um, I think right now Zillow is is trying to blow up, (laughs) you know, well, I guess sure I, looks I, that way, huh? I mean, they're just trying to to convey the message that that level of information, a home that's already marketed publicly for sale, is the entirety of the process. And I think that's a really short sighted. I mean, obviously, I know I'm I'm biased, but truthfully, when you look at how I'm spending my days, how my team is spending their days, what's going on in our office, what's happening underneath, you know, the umbrella of the Boulevard Company. I mean, that is a fraction of what we do. And I'm probably only doing about 20% of my deals right now from what is post-MLS. Most of the things are happening through our network. Yep. You know, I mean, through the Boulevard Company, me to you, sharing things that are coming down the pipeline. And, you know, our, our clients need that inventory when it's a crazy market like we're in right now. Yep. Yep. It's almost like, um, I mean, I wasn't doing real estate you know, back in the, the late 80s or the early 90s. But um, I remember some friends of my parents that were, and that was a huge component of it, which was just who do you know? Mm-hmm. And what do you know that's for sale? Mm-hmm. And that was a big, you know, just just door knocking and going to networking events and finding mm-hmm. out like, hey, who is selling? And now with Zillow, like you said, in the internet, that's not, it hasn't been as big of a, a service or, or there hasn't been as much value on that. But mm-hmm. now, like you said, mm-hmm. knowing that anything that hits the market is going to get seven offers and probably be under contract. Oh, my word. In, I mean, you know, it looks a like a concert when you go. I've never seen group <laughs> gatherings since, you know, 2019 until you go to a show a house it's and an there's a line. Oh, my word. Band. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, the competition right now is is out of control. So, you know, the Boulevard Company here in Charleston, we have the largest producing real estate office in Charleston. Whoop, whoop. It's amazing. I mean, and and with clear cooperation, we're only allowed to share upcoming listings and, and, you know, inventory coming down the pipeline under the same broker. I don't know, your non-realtor listeners will even know what that means. But what's important about that is it really matters which agency your agent hangs their license with because we have the largest producing office. So, any client that you sign up has access to all of our inventory. And that's just such a value add. It's such a service that nobody else can provide. It's huge. No, it's huge. Absolutely. So we're really proud of that. So, okay. Yeah. So the Boulevard company now, um, you started that in 2012? Very end of 2012. Okay. Very end of 2012. Yep. Now here we are, 2021. Crazy. Closing in on 300 agents. Crazy. What's the goal here? Are you thinking? Are you thinking global domination or? No, the goal was sixteen agents, Jeremy. The goal was sixteen agents. I mean, it's so. I have to say, this is something that I am so proud of, but it is not agent count. 
I could care less about agent count. John and I feel so passionate about the integrity of our agency, about our reputation. The type of agents that we have working with us is beyond humbling. And, you know, I just look around sometimes and get teary-eyed thinking all of these people absolutely are, you know, could own their own brokerages. They are smart. They are driven. They are passionate. Several of them have owned brokerages. I mean, we have an unbelievable makeup of agents and they choose to work here because we're really better together. I mean, the, the detail I just mentioned is huge, but also just the collaboration, you know, and I sit down with someone like you or a Dan Lawrence or Matt Anderson or, you know, Whoever. Legend, legends I mean, in the Donna game. Donna Webb. I mean, literally legends. You know, Sophie Gamble. I just learned so much. I'm like absorbing. Um, well, that's got to probably be one of the biggest values, the to, to, value. to you personally, I would think. Oh, my right? word. Just yep. the, all the, the wealth of information that you have coming your way that you have access to really at, at any time. And that is why we started the brokerage. I mean, John has a very successful property management company. I have a very active real estate you know, team, as you mentioned. And the reason we started the Boulevard Company was because we wanted to be networked with very smart and connected realtors. So the fact that it has grown to this and our network is now this, like I said, it's beyond humbling. It is such an honor and it is not something that I take for granted. Like I use my network. I call these agents. I learn from them. I'm like, wait, wait, what are you doing? How are you doing that? <laughs> yep, yep. You know, what? what's happening over here? I mean, you just cannot be an expert at every single thing. And, you know, I team up with brilliant agents in our office if, it, if they're in a, you know, geographic area that I'm not as familiar with. And I don't know, it's just the best network I could have ever imagined. No, you guys have done a phenomenal job. And you also provide a lot of um, just, just really great, pretty well-rounded training, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, for, there's a lot of brokerages that have the, the similar type of model, like flat fee, 100% commission mm-hmm. model. Um, but I, you really are out on an island. You know, it's like, here you go, figure it out. And, you know, we get we get updates every, you know, every week with the new trainings. And we can either zoom in or show up or before COVID, you know, you'd get 40, 50 people, yeah. you know, in that little room. Um, you do roundtables. Like yep. You guys really do a, a phenomenal job. Well, of I wish providing I could take, value. thank you. I wish I could take credit for any of that. That is John. John Liberatos is a genius, and he is, I mean, he's served on every MLS board. He's now in his 30th year in real estate. He is an absolute black and white thinker. He is a genius when it comes to the law and then the ethics behind why we are doing what we're doing. And um, it's really, I mean, I'm overusing this word, but it's humbling that he wants to be in business with me. We have polar opposite skill sets which has served us very well because I feel like, you know, when I'm in my wheelhouse, he really loves and respects what I bring to the table. When he's in his wheelhouse, I obviously do the same of him. And we're able to provide a really diverse service to all of our agents because um, he is keeping us educated and legal <laughs> and yes. protected. Yep. You know, out of trouble. He is. I mean, it's just the training isn't just you know, kind of checking off the box of training. It's a new form that he helped write yep. that other agencies don't even know exists yet. Yep. And we know about it two months ahead of time. I mean, it, it's invaluable, 
you know, and then agents come to me when they're trying to navigate the nuance of negotiation and how to handle challenging clients and, you know, from someone who's kind of in the field a little bit more. And so we're just, we love it. We call ourselves mom and dad. Um, I was going to say, yeah, (laughs) everyone kind of affectionately refers to you guys as mom and dad. We take it. We take it. It's, it's um it's a role that I enjoy. So. My my favorite is when when you guys like disagree when you're standing in front of everyone we you never disagree, disagree on something. <laughs> <laughs> that one time it might have happened. Uh, okay, let can we, let's circle this back. Okay, we need to bring it back. We're we're 20 minutes in here. We're supposed to lead off with the American Idol. <laughs> I Jeremy, need to know. I need to how know. How did you dig this out? Now it now it makes so much sense how you would stand in front of so many people, be so comfortable. You have lots of experience doing this. So what, tell me, what's this all about? Look, you were on American Idol. You're a contestant. What's your you okay. have a singing background? So have you seen Pitch Perfect? Come on. Jimmy Fallon? No. Uh, the old acapella oh, movie. Oh, that's Fever Pitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> wrong one. Yeah, wrong one. So no, I have not. in college, I was in an acapella group. Okay. Okay. Um, I was big singing background. You know, that was kind of my my thing. And before before American Idol, you are probably way too young to know. There was um, another Fox show called Pop Stars, and okay. this is where Pussycat Dolls Nicole Scherzinger came from. Really. And so I drove to DC. In college, slept on the street, auditioned for pop stars, accidentally made it, had no clothes in my car. I mean, the whole thing was hysterical. I ended up auditioning for the dance portion in an old Halloween costume that was in my trunk (laughs) and literally black electrical tape around my feet because I didn't have shoes. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. Rock star in the making story. I mean, except I didn't quite... I didn't quite make the cut. For that one, I think I made it to like top 30. I mean, it was pretty, okay. it was a much smaller show than American Idol, obviously, but I made it pretty far. And so I, you know, I got the bug. It was, it was all, you know, the the rage at that time. Yep. I don't even remember what year that was. Probably 2000, maybe. Um, and so anyway, when I graduated from college, from Chapel Hill, and moved here, American Idol came to Charleston, and so I did audition. Okay. I had a whole team of friends who, like, rallied and kind of forced the issue because they knew of this, you know, obviously amazing pop star story that they would not (laughs) let me live down. Um, That was all over the place, you know, on the internet. Your celebrity status here was already... No, no, clearly nobody knows up. that show. You know, it was not, no, I mean, it was a joke, but, but they pushed for it. And so in maybe 2006, I auditioned for American Idol, got all the way through to Simon. Really? And, uh-huh. Which, which at that's that time. That's not here. Would you go to that LA? time, actually it was here. It was really? here. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And at that time that was your, I don't know. I don't even know how far through that was, but I was on my like sixth audition, I think, fifth or sixth audition. And they put up a picture of Carrie Underwood next to me. And they said, at the end of the day, this is a TV show. And that part has already been cast. And I was so complimented. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You think I look like <laughs> Carrie Underwood? You think I sound like Carrie Underwood? I could care less if I made it through. That's the best compliment you could ever give. <laughs> that is awesome. And that was it. That was the end of my American Idol journey. Really? Yeah. Was it Simon that said that? Yeah. Was that his? That oh, was yeah. his feedback. Yep. So he was saying you were 
basically you're too similar to Carrie Underwood. I don't know. I literally, I was never going to question it because <laughs> I want to receive that that's what he meant. That's what it was. So he probably meant, no, you're not good enough. But instead he said it in that in those words. And I've held on to that as a massive compliment in my that, life ever since. No, you know what? <laughs> that is a compliment because he's, uh, he shoots you straight. If there's anything that he does, I don't know. he gives it to you like it is. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, that was the end. It that was, is awesome. It was very short-lived. I mean, it was not... It was not Hollywood week. I didn't do any of that. But, you know, the American Idol name even hey, is yeah. a funny story yeah, from, your, absolutely. from your 20s. Well, check the box. I mean, you, you I know, mean, you tried it out. You I don't did, know. You, you took your shot. What would have what happened, cool Jeremy, if I had actually made it through? Who knows? Well, the thing is, if you had made it there, then you wouldn't be on this. I'm so grateful. This internationally <laughs> renowned show right here. So uh, or maybe everything I would be. works I out, know. right? Okay, so... Uh, we've got about a couple minutes left here. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, one thing that I know that's that's really important to you um, that we're kind of talking about before the show, um, just emailing back and forth is like how, how your faith is very, very important to you. Um, so how has that, and obviously you used to be working marketing for the church, mm-hmm. right? And then, so how has that um, played a role in how you run your business and how you recruit and, and grow your team and, and then how you train those guys and, and, and develop. Wow, them. that's an awesome question. Um, I really do feel like I'm in my gifting. And I think when I start every day just in gratitude and in prayer and asking God to work through me, I mean, I really, I feel like I'm in my wheelhouse of the gifts and talents that he has given me. And I start every day just asking for him to use me and be a vessel, right? So, um, you know, not everyone on my team shares my exact same beliefs, but they definitely share my passion for our clients, and that's how we start any any new relationship, which is very important to me, just that we are serving. We are the humble servant leaders. We are here to, you know, kind of, create a peace over something that can oftentimes feel very stressful and charged, you know, energetically. And so there are times where that's hard and I have to remove myself from the heat of whatever's happening. And I have to really just plug back into my faith and pray and ask for that peace to overwhelm me again. Um, Cause I think it's very important that we are adding that, you know, into this situation. And it definitely affects the way, you know, that we, that we train, you know, you mentioned that, but I'm big into the Enneagram and, and kind of knowing people's personality styles. So I study that. I help teach that actually through our church. And, um, you know, it helps because even just the way one client versus another in the same transaction, a husband and a wife might, you know, kind of receive information differently. So how do we learn and grow and, and, and know that, maybe the way I speak to her is a little bit different than I speak to him or the way that I speak to that family is a little bit different than I speak to the other families that I'm working with. And so, I mean, those are things that we spend a lot of time kind of cultivating and growing. Everyone on my team does. They've all kind of gotten into the Enneagram with me, um, which is a different podcast. We can go way deep diving into that later. but Yeah, we may have to do that (laughs) for sure. But it's just such a powerful tool because I think that the Lord really – really equips all of us differently. And it's very important for me to realize that you're not a broken version of me. You are created as Jeremy on purpose, for a purpose, 
And even if it comes down to the way that we're negotiating or the way that we're communicating, it serves everybody well for me to realize who you are, that you are created that way, and then learn how you best, you know, receive information or work in a negotiation. All of those things, they're really important. Um, And so we, we do spend a lot of time kind of focusing on that. I think that's great. You know, spending, putting, putting the extra time into the details is um, the simplest way to put it. I think that's the difference between being good at what you do and being great at what you do. Um, Rebecca, thank you so, so, so much. We have last thing. If uh, any of our, anybody watching or listening, if they want to learn more about you, um, come check you out. How can they do that? RebeccaLeninger.com is my website. That's the easiest. Leninger is a hard last name, but um, we'll hopefully put, they we'll can put it find in the, me in the description there. Okay. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram, Re- Rebecca Leninger Real Estate. Um, actually, I don't even know my handle. What is it? Rebecca Leninger Real Estate. Is there a dot? Team. Is there an underline? Is there a team? <laughs> put that up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can definitely find me through the website and Instagram. We're pretty active there, and um, would love to connect. With anyone Fantastic. Listening. All right. Well, first episode is in the books. Thank you Thank so much. You, this Jeremy. has been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I appreciate you. Absolutely. Hey everyone, that is a wrap on today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to give us a subscribe so you never miss any future episodes. And of course, if you know anybody at all that might enjoy the podcast or might learn something from it, please go ahead and share it out. It would really mean the world to me and I just really, really would appreciate that. Thanks so much, guys, and we will see you next time.